This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Ventana opens window for Risk 5 in HPC. DOD gives Jedi a new hope. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell, joined again by Tiffany Trader and Oliver Peckham from HPC Wire, and now, for the first time, joined by new Intersect 360 Research Senior Analyst, Steve Conway. Steve, welcome to the team and welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. Uh, I'm excited to uh, reunite with uh, Addison, you, and Dan to continue tracking the global HPC market. We wanted to give you a chance to hop onto the podcast. I know you know everybody here, and probably most people listening already know Steve. But Steve, you and I worked together last when we were at IDC many years ago before Intersect 360 Research or even Tabor Research was a thing. That was more than 15 years ago. But I am just thrilled to be working with you again. Well, we had fun then, and I think we'll have some fun doing it again. And let's get to some catch-up topics. Of course, we were all together at Supercomputing, and then I've had a couple of events since then. I was at the CHPC National Conference, as was our Chief Research Officer, Dan Olds. That's in South Africa, an annual event. And then I was at the, the uh, Society for HPC Professionals in Houston after that. These were all pretty good events. Yeah. First of all, I want to say, Steve, glad to have you on the podcast. Look forward to working with you in your new capacity. Uh, the four of us have already had a, had some fun on the, the pre-call, uh, swapping um, jokes and, and some, some wordplay. So uh, so that's been fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was at the uh, society, tuned into the Society of HPC Professionals uh, virtually, uh, as did uh, Oliver. Uh, that was um, really great. It's hard to overstate how good that program was, presided over by uh, Doug. Norton, who's uh, the president. Um, Addison, you've been involved in that for a long time. You gave your, your market update. You did a nice granular dive into the hyperscale market. I just want to, I thought it was so good. I'll run through a few of the other names that were on there. Uh, Dr. Kelly Gator of uh, Tech, TAC, Texas Advanced Computing Center, uh, was on there. Um, and uh, underscoring how far uh, medicine and personalized medicine has yet to go. That was really eye-opening. She started shared some interesting statistics. I know, Addison, you had uh, you had noted a few of those as well. Yeah, I out of all of them, Kelly's talk was my mm-hmm. absolute favorite, and the content was top-notch beginning to end. Anyone who missed it, joining Society of HPC Professionals, it's like some nominal fee to join, like 50 or 60 bucks or something like that. And then you get access to all these presentations, support this professional organization. And it wasn't just Kelly. There were all a ton of great speakers. I got to round them all up in a panel at the end of the day. It was very entertaining. Yeah, there were really, there's a presentation uh, on the HPC and the James Webb Telescope. Aaron Jung, a NASA astrophysicist, he referenced this great quote from Carl Sagan that I, I hadn't heard in a while. Uh, if you wish to make an apple pie from scratch, you must first invent the universe. Uh, <laughs> yes, good one. Um, there's a really, I mean, worth the price of it. Mean, the, the whole thing's worth the price of it. You know, one of the, any one of these talks is uh, worth the price of admission, but there was another fascinating talk from a, a newcomer to me, not a newcomer, but a, a new um, to me, um, Dr. Mariba Ja. Um, he is also at TAC. He's also chief scientist at Privateer, which may be uh, the first or one of the first space steward organizations uh, founded by 
Steve Wozniak um, and Alex Fielding, and they they look at all of the the stuff that is starting to accumulate in space, and they he put this visualization visualization up on the screen, and I thought, oh my goodness, it's starting to look like that, you know, that uh, garbage patch, you know, in the in the ocean. That's kind of what it reminded yeah, me. Yeah, he gets to be an environmentalist, <laughs> but for space, yeah. that's yeah, a that's pretty what he good says. job. He says he re- he's the first, he's the world's first space environmentalist. I think one of the crowd favorites. Um, from the, uh, the the response on Zoom was a, a person we all know, um, Dr. Henry Neiman, uh, executive director for research computing at University of Oklahoma. It was ostensibly about weather forecasting, and it, it was about weather forecasting, but it was also just packed with deeply technical insights and observations that um, about you know current and emerging HPC products and technologies that I think had a lot of people saying, "Wow, Henry, that was that was really good," um, and then. Of course, your your panel, Addison, super interesting discussion and just a really great composition of panelists. And, and you know, you do so many panels and they're always good, but sometimes they just get this like perfect mix of uh, people and this diverse mix of ideas and people playing off each other and what I would call productive disagreement. So um, that was that was pretty cool, too. Yeah, that's one of the secrets to moderating a panel is if I don't give people very much time to answer the question. There's no time for everybody to agree. You just get the different opinions out there and move forward. And speaking of panels, and we've been wrapping up SC, I will say that our uh, the SC22 plenary panel that I was privileged to moderate on HPC Accelerates and the many dimensions of HPC Acceleration, that is available online now on YouTube. You can check my Twitter handle uh, at Addison Snell or at Intersect360 and find a link to uh, to that panel discussion. Uh, I really liked that. But then let's get to the most recent event, which was the Risk Five Summit that just took place. And I thought the most interesting news coming out of that was from Ventana Micro, and they're introducing a new processor. Now, there's a lot of Risk Five companies out there, but launching the new Veyron V1 chip and specifically targeting high-performance markets at HPC with the Ventana Veyron V1. Yeah, and it was uh, Oliver who figured out that that uh, Veyron is, uh, I was like wondering why it sounded so familiar. So it's also the uh, one of the Bugatti uh, brands. So, but this Veyron and this uh, Ventana, they're saying they are competitive, offering competitive performance to x86 and ARM processors, because you have to say that when you're a, a new newcomer to the market. Uh, the chip has 16 cores, up to 16 cores, and can be go with uh, 12 other chips in a cluster, up to 192 cores. It's uh, made on TSMC's 5 nanometer process, and it has 48 megabytes of shared L3 cache, and it supports the CXL 2.0 uh, interconnect. I liked that they were doing HPC comparisons directly against uh, Intel and AMD. Now, those were against um, the, the uh, current generations, the Ice Lake and, you know, and the uh, uh, Milan. Uh, so we're, we haven't seen against the, the newest generations coming out. I think that's pretty typical for a launch. You're not going to see the, the most absolute up-to-date, the, the uh, bar charts that they were showing were focused on spec int, so integer performance rather than floating point performance. But nevertheless, uh, I think compelling performance numbers that are going to get some people's attention in HPC. And we've been seeing a lot with RISC-V, not only in terms of the proliferation of different vendors, but strategically around the world. Steve, you were talking about before the importance of RISC-V in European supercomputing. 
yeah, I think I think uh, Europe, your HPC and so forth is set on a path toward risk five. Um, you know, ARM is earlier, so ARM has uh, its software ecosystem farther ahead. Uh, but there is great appeal. The, the, the appeal of ARM and risk five is they're customizable processes, but the great appeal of risk five in particular is that you don't need to pay for the IP. Um, so that's an interesting solution, not only in Europe, but I think to start with for government in, in the US and, other, and in other markets. So this, I think it's the Ventana one is a, is a very, very credible announcement uh, and, and a good addition to the RISC-V momentum. And, and as we talk about the role of RISC-V across the HPC landscape, and again, particularly in Europe, we can riff on what it means for sustainability in HPC. I think that's another relevant part of the discussion. Abs- absolutely. And, you know, we see what's happening with energy prices and energy availability. That's getting to be a more, more and more important topic. And as Addison, as you and I have discussed before, uh, you know, a decade ago when people talked about, for example, exascale with then current technology, uh, 120 megawatts and about $120 million of annual energy costs. I don't think some of these exascale programs, I don't think it would have been uh, easily fundable if that hadn't improved, gotten down into the kind of the 30 to 40 or even 20 to 30 uh, megawatt range. And certainly the energy prices in Europe right now are moving the needle on a lot of these uh, measures and hardware choices and and the way these systems are built. You know, there was just a really good um, birds of a feather session at SC22 talking about HPC's carbon footprint. And uh, Dieter Krenzelmuller from LRZ was saying that um, they had been trying to get waste heat reuse uh, for their systems, uh, and nobody was interested in, in taking the heat until recently. Uh, and once the energy prices started going up, um, it happened on a very short time frame. So it really is it really is changing how these decisions are made. I and I think this is just going to be a part of the market that continues to heat up. We've been as part of our research, really looking at these processor wars, what's going on with Intel, AMD, NVIDIA, but now this RISC-V area is 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 uh, is developing. It is quite dynamic right now with Ventana now on the market. I know you've covered Esperanto and their role in AI previously in the paper publication family and HPC Wire, I think maybe in Enterprise AI as well. We were just talking about the Society of HPC Professionals and Doug Norton, who's the president and board chair, is at Inspire Semiconductor, which is another uh, RISC-V CPU. We've talked about Sci-5. There's others out there. It's going to be a pretty exciting space. You, you mentioned es- Esperanto, Addison, and that was one of the companies that was um, <clears throat> talking at uh, this week's RISC-V Summit, and sustainability and energy efficiency was something that they were emphasizing in an interesting way and what they're doing with their ET SOC one chip that yes we have uh, we have covered Oliver's covered um, for HPC wire and they did a per watt comparison and you don't always see that so they they did a per watt comparison with their their uh, ET SOC one chip up against Intel Sapphire Rapids and uh, Nvidia's chips uh, using the publicly available uh, benchmarks uh, via the MLPerf ML Commons uh, benchmarking round so. What they found was that, what they claimed, what they found was that um, their chip uh, ran at 158 inferences per second per watt versus 
23 for Intel Sapphire Rapids and uh, 132 uh, for NVIDIA's chip. So they, they beat um, uh, NVIDIA on that metric by just a little bit. And Penstorm um, also had some um, information came out uh, from them this week too with their Ascalon uh, RISC-V CPUs um, and a chip that is codenamed Rendell which will have 128 cores um, and support DDR4 and DDR5 memory. That will be um, coming to market, they say, next year as a, a specialized uh, AI uh, accelerator. So we'll be definitely keeping a close eye on RISC-V, the RISC-V space and, and all these uh, technologies and products that are coming to market. I think the moral of the story here is that, uh, you know, if I'm tempted to think of supercomputing as being the end of the year and then I'm just going to take a nap through December, don't go to sleep on some of these other events between CHPC, the Society of HPC Professionals, the RISC-V Summit. There's been a lot of big news out there. And I want to touch one other story this week in HPC, just because we covered some of the earlier incarnations of it. We talked about this JEDI contract from the U.S. Department of Defense to have a big Department of Defense cloud uh, that was under that JEDI acronym uh, that had originally been awarded to Microsoft, and then you know Amazon was objecting. There was a, a big frou-frou about whether there was favoritism going on in the DoD. This is now back under a new, not really acronym, abbreviation, JWCC, the Joint Warfighting Cloud Capability Initiative. And it's now a little more democratic. It's being spread across all of the top four providers, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, and Oracle breaking up the $9 billion, but we don't really know uh, who's getting how much or who's doing how much under this new sharing plan. No, but this has been typic the typical kind of blowback that, that happens in government when one of uh, a group of competing vendors lends a massive contract. Uh, this, a lot of times historically, this is what's happened. It, it kind of gets democratized and everybody gets a piece. And, you know, that, that, that's sort of interesting in, in the sense that this could have been a life-changing event for whoever got it and for whoever didn't get it. So uh, it, it's a good thing that all of these companies will gain that experience. I, I'll point out this is $9 billion over five years, the JWCC is, whereas the JEDI contract was $10 billion over uh, 10 years. That is a big pot of money. Google, Amazon, Microsoft, and Oracle, they all have the same contract. Although since it is just a big pot of money at this time, I don't know if we, we know in advance whether they, to your point, Steve, if they will, you know, all end up with the equal share of that uh, kitty. Um, one of the interesting things was that IBM was not part of this award. Uh, we can, even, even though they were one of the yep. objectors to it, uh, we can speculate as to why this is. I, I don't know, Addison or Steve, if you have any mark actual um, you know, market research uh, um, in terms of um, why you know why that might be the case. One of the things that'll be interesting here is to see how they whether there's a what kind of division of labor happens here and what kind of collaboration um, is needed or not, depending on the division of labor. That that's going to be very very telling. Mm. 
Yeah, and it's tough to handicap IBM in this space. This was not strictly an HPC contract, although we can imagine that there are HPC workloads involved in this. Strategically, we have seen IBM talk about cloud quite a bit, but they've spoken less and less about HPC or supercomputing since before even Summit Sierra were installed, with the exception of quantum computing, where IBM continues to have a significant mouthpiece. It could be that, you know, if this wasn't quantum or something that's going to be well out into the future, IBM just wasn't going to be a part of it. I think the other cloud companies that we're talking about who are uh, involved in this are doing a better job meeting the market where it is now today, as opposed to IBM, who feels to me like they're perpetually selling in the future. One of the threads that our freelance writer, Agam Shah, tugged on in his coverage of this was that uh, there was some activism against IBM in 2018 around their ethical use of AI that actually um, ended up um, resulting in them stopping development and the sale of facial recognition software. So there was some thinking that, you know, maybe that could have, um, you know, maybe they didn't want the... Uh, the bad press, but I don't, I don't know. That was just a, some, some speculation. I know, like, again, they were one of the, the people objecting to this, so it seems like they wanted it in on that $9 billion uh, pot. Uh, one, and a couple other little related notes on this uh, that I think are worth, worth bringing up is that HPE was awarded a $2 billion um, as a service deal through their GreenLake uh, product um, with NSA last year in September. That was a 10, 10 year contract. And then there was also a uh, $10 billion uh, secret, quote unquote, um, since we know about it, um, cloud computing contract that was won by, by Amazon. So maybe that um, alleviated some of the pain of not getting this entire uh, pot of money. Um, that was a codenamed Wild and Stormy. That was announced last year. And very similar to the Jedi situation, that contract faced similar scrutiny of uh, what they called a improper technical assessment, and that protest was um, again Microsoft. You know the back and forth between Microsoft and Amazon. So, FedScoop reported in April of this year that that contract would indeed go forward with uh, AWS as the contractor as planned. So essentially, Microsoft lost out on on that appeal. I'm glad you brought up ethical use of AI because that's also been in the news as, as chat GPT got leashed upon the world. I didn't have a lot to say about that from an HPC perspective. It's certainly a nice parlor trick that keeps everybody excited about AI going on into the future. And we're going to continue to research that as we go on into 2023. We've got a lot going on between our two companies. On the Intersect 360 research side, Dan Olds is kicking off our winter classic invitational student cluster competition, which specifically does outreach to historically black and Hispanic serving institutions across the United States. This is open for uh, teams to apply to get in, but more specifically to the listeners of this podcast, we're looking for mentors and sponsors of the Winter Classic Student Cluster Competition. You can email Dan Olds, Dan at intersect360.com or check out the website Winter Classic Invitational. Dot com for information on those. And uh, Oliver and Tiffany, you've got a series of uh, Livewire videos that uh, are still available for, for looking at from SC22. 
Yeah, we've got a great video interview series as it's an extension of our SC22 coverage. You can check those out at hvcwire.com forward slash livewire hyphen interviews. You'll see my interview with Candice Colhane, Candy Colhane, uh, SC22 general chair, an interview with Dan Stanzione, director of TAC, that I highly recommend watching or reading. I also have a, the transcript up for the for those who prefer to uh, consume uh, the information in, in written form. So that one with, with Dan is just packed with insights of where the HPC technology is and where it's going. I had another really exciting interview with HPE's Nick Dubay on uh, what were previously unshared details of exactly how Frontier at Oak Ridge made it across the exaflops uh, finish line. And then Oliver has really been digging into the, the um, issue around the carbon intensity of HPC and interviewed Lantium, a company um, with uh, data centers in Texas that is um, running um, uh, entirely or almost entirely on low cost and negative cost renewable energy uh, rather than fossil fuel energy. And I know Oliver, like you've been really tracking that, that space closely. It's, it's a really fascinating field. And I, I, I wrote a feature about um, how at SC, it really felt like finally, I think the conversation has turned into viewing uh, HPC's efficiency in terms of, um, you know, how much computing you're, you're getting done uh, per dollar or per ton of carbon dioxide equivalent. And seeing that conversation frontlined was was fascinating to me. And I think Lancium um, was the host of the carbon footprint panel I mentioned earlier, and they've been really aggressive in a good way about frontlining that conversation. And what what they're doing is essentially putting these they they call them kind of chicken shed like data centers that are that are on a hardware level largely inefficient, air cooled using ambient hot air, but they're they're citing them where there is a surplus of congested wind energy in West Texas. So the energy pricing is fantastic and it's all renewable and a lot of it would otherwise go to waste. So it's about as renewable as you can get without focusing at all on hardware efficiency, really, just on uh, siting intelligently, uh, linking that up via networks, and then uh, winding down workloads when the energy uh, starts to become more fossil heavy, when either uh, wind generation is low or when demand goes so high that the fossil fuel plants have to kick on nearby. I think that's a really intelligent way of doing things. I, I think we're going to see more conversation around how we can make workloads respond to the energy environment rather than the other way around. Yep. Um, and I, I, I really encourage checking out the, that conversation. One more thought on energy sustainability is we should give props, congratulations to Livermore Labs for achieving uh, mm. the, uh, the, the uh, efficient uh, fusion reaction that returned as much energy as they put into it. I'm, I'm very excited about that for the future. And speaking of videos on HPC Wire, Dan Olds did wrap up his Great American HPC supercomputing road trip coming back a different route from Texas. He went up through California, got interviews from Berkeley, Livermore. NASA Ames. That was on the HPC side from uh, uh, from the uh, National Lab perspective on those. So our listeners can get more information on all of these stories as usual at HPC Wire. Uh, Tiffany, Oliver, Steve, thanks for joining me wrapping up the last couple of weeks on this podcast. It's been an exciting year. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. 
You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.